Hello, and welcome to Brom Show. This is Brom. We are in the middle of the series, Great Works. We are on episode number nine of Great Works. Let me spend just a moment and talk about episode number 10. Episode that is coming up is one of the greatest love stories. Not one of. It is the greatest love story ever written by all humanity of all time. The greatest author in the universe. This love story is the Bible. However, we're on episode number nine of this series, Great Works, and today's episode, we're going to be talking about a book written by Robert Kiyosaki called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Now, before I really get into the weeds of this book, and it is an amazing book, let me tell you, uh, this one book I do have a copy of, and I would be willing to give it, but I don't think giving it would be the right answer for you. If there is a book that you buy, Rich Dad, Poor Dad should be that investment. And trust me, it is an investment. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and started a business with $3,000 many years ago now. $3,000 started a business and was projected by the end of the third year to gross a million dollars. Now, if you know much about business, you would understand that, um, well, what you're estimating and what happens and gross and net are not the same thing. So, uh, unfortunately, the third year, the first quarter of that third year, we were robbed and we lost everything. And like a knucklehead, didn't have insurance or anything like that. And um, then just kind of had the wind knocked out of our sails and had to start over um, and eventually then gave up on it. However, Rich Dad Poor Dad was what took a business that was only $3,000 and within three years that first quarter had it oh close to 300000 something like that. Of course that's gross. If you know about business, gross and net are very far. Uh, they are not the same thing. Very far apart from each other. So let's talk a little bit about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Robert Kiyosaki writes and says that he had two different fathers. He had his own biological father, who he would refer to as Poor Dad, and his best friend's father, who he would refer to as Rich Dad. And he will talk about what he learned from both of these fathers and how they were applied to his financial life. Now, just before each of these episodes, we take a little time and we go back and review, look at summaries of the books. Let me give you where I got this summary. The website is called Oberolo, something like that, .com. It's spelled O-B-E-R-L-O. And this website I do like because it gives a breakdown of the thought process of poor dad and the thought process of rich dad and how those two thought processes uh, it, well, the book will tell you how those two thought processes will advance your thinking or diminish your outcome. So let's spend a little time looking at that. The poor dad thinks the rich should pay more in taxes. The rich dad thinks taxes reward those who produce. Poor dad thinks study hard so that you can find a good company to work for. Rich dad thinks Study hard so you can find a good company to buy. Poor dad thinks, I'm not rich because I have children. Rich dad thinks, I must become rich because I have children. Poor dad thinks, don't talk about money over dinner. 
Rich Dad Thinks, Talk About Money and Business Over Dinner. Poor Dad Thinks, Don't Take Risks. Rich Dad Thinks, Learn to Manage Risk. Poor Dad Thinks, A House is the Biggest Asset You Own. Rich Dad Thinks, A House is a Liability. Poor Dad Thinks, Pay Your Bills First. Rich Dad Thinks, Pay Your Bills Last. Poor Dad Says, Struggles to Save a Few Dollars. But Rich Dad Creates Investments. Poor Dad Teaches How to Write a Strong Resume. Rich Dad Teaches How to Write a Strong Business and Financial Plan. Poor Dad Says, I'll Never Be Rich. Rich Dad Says, I'm a Rich Man and rich people don't do this. Kiyosaki also says in the book, he says, the poor and middle class work for money. The rich have money work for them. So let me use my own experience and see if we can break down this a little bit and how this would unfold and work in regular life. I had this shoe company that I was purchasing shoes roughly at $5 a pair and I would take them to the street corner and sell my $5 a pair shoes for $10. And that's how it started off. However, eventually I wasn't going out and selling the shoes. I had other people that were out selling the shoes for me. And eventually I even had other people take the shoes out and drop them off and go and pick them up. And I coordinated it. The money was now working for me. I still do the same type stuff, nowhere near the same scale. God help me, one day I'm going to get there again. But I still do the same stuff with, uh, because free market and capitalism is an amazing thing. And the internet is a godsend to making money. I, I'm, I'm sworn by it. I invest in small businesses. That's one of my dreams. I want to see small businesses thrive. And so when I talk about hating the government response to COVID, let me tell you, one of the reasons I hate the government's response to COVID is I'm losing money in businesses that I have invested in, and I'm having to wait much longer to ever be able to get my returns. Government is impeding my productivity and hindering my money working for me. And it would still be the same thing if I was selling shoes, right? Because where I live is just outside San Antonio. That's one of our bigger markets to be able to go and sell in. But we were selling on street corners. And so as we have a governor and we have mayor and uh, county commissioners that say you can't be within six feet of people and they enforced lockdowns and we can go on down the list all there. Uh, anti-liberty beliefs and statements and enforcements, what that would have done if I was selling shoes was nobody would be able, first of all, I wouldn't have been able to set up because the restaurants wouldn't have allowed it. I mean, they can't use their parking lot. Do you really think they would have let me use their parking lot? And even if they did, nobody could come to the stand to buy the shoes because law enforcement would be there immediately because people would have to be uh, within a certain distance in order to look at the shoes and purchase the shoes. And with all of this, Congress's response in the last few days of this podcast was, well, we'll give everybody $600. Well, we'll give Saudi Arabia and China and all these other nations 
millions or billions of dollars, but we'll give the Americans $600 and they should be happy. Um, Mr. Senator, Mr. Congressman, we're all out a little more than $600. Get this, we don't want the money. That was our money to begin with. We'd rather have our liberty so that we can make the money ourselves. So let's move on to another idea in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Robert Kiyosaki says that his poor dad told him that the greatest thing he could do was climb the corporate ladder. And he goes back to his rich dad and he tells his rich dad what poor dad said. And rich dad laughs and says, why would you climb the ladder when you could buy the ladder? So let me put it to you this way. If you are working a dead end job that you detest and you just can't stand, I strongly encourage you get out there and buy rich dad, poor dad. But don't only buy it, apply it. If you will apply it to your finances, to what you do with your money, it will radically change your financial situation and your financial position. Let me give you another piece of advice if you want to be rich. And for me, uh, just take it at heart, face value, this is what it is. If you want to be rich, don't become a pastor. <laughs> I can tell you that flat out. Uh, being a pastor has made me more broke than anything I've ever done in my life. Don't become a pastor if you want to be rich. That's just my uh, side note. Let's get back into Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He writes, In school, we learn that mistakes are bad and we are punished for making them. Yet, if you look at the way humans are designed to learn, we learn by making mistakes. We learn to walk by falling down. If we never fell down, we would never walk. Let's ponder that for just a second. Is that not exactly the way that our public education teaches us? And yet in real life, we learn by failure. And so if we are afraid to fail, and that's a part of our whole mindset as a culture now, that's why everybody gets a participation award. That's why there are no losers. Everybody gets a trophy and we've totally eliminated the loser. And because of that, nobody is really learning how to fail anymore. But failing is one of the greatest lessons and teachers any of us could ever possibly have. He goes on and says, winners are not afraid of losing, but losers are. Failure is part of the process of success. People who avoid failure also avoid success. So if you're wondering about me, I do this podcast, obviously, because I'm not afraid of failure, right? <laughs> because you are the only person that listens to this podcast, you and me. So uh, now I'm not afraid of failure, and you shouldn't be afraid of failure either. Let's go on to the next. He also writes, if you're the kind of person who has no guts, you just give up every time life pushes you. You're that kind of person. You'll live all your life playing it safe, doing the right things, saving yourself for something that never happens. Then you die a boring old man. The greatest exploits ever in human history were taken by individuals who would step out of their comfort zone and do something amazing. Lewis and Clark, right? Amazing. They would travel the entire continent 
uh, at the command or at the request of the president, travel all the way across the entire continent and back. Amazing things done by people who would step beyond their fear. Whatever your fear is, why don't you face it and say, I can climb this mountain and conquer it. I can be more than I am right now. I can do better. I can achieve more. I can help more. And I can be a bigger blessing. Let's go on to the next. Oh, I absolutely love this statement he makes. He says, I'd rather welcome change than cling to the past. I'd rather welcome change than cling to the past. If you'll welcome change and embrace it, remember a few uh, episodes ago we read or talked about who moved my cheese. We ought, change is going to happen whether we like it or not. We'd rather welcome it than cling to things of yesterday that have no relevance and can make no benefit for our today. He also writes, emotions are what make us human, make us real. The word emotion stands for energy in motion. Be truthful about your emotions and use your mind and emotions in your favor, not against yourself. This is one of the biggest problems that those who seek prosperity or seek to better themselves find uh, most challenging. This is it. Controlling your emotions and allowing your emotions and your mind to work in sync to better you instead of having you cowered in fear. Embrace your emotions, but use them to push you in the right direction. These things aren't only for your finances, they're for life in general. If there is something you want and you're hungry for, and by all means, you believe that you can conquer, and even if you might have a doubt or a question, you ought to just go ahead and push yourself and see, can I do this? Can this be done? You've got my back. or I, Let me change that. I've got your back. I believe you can. I want to see you do it. I'll stand with you. We'll accomplish it together. You'll have one person that believes in you, and then you'll have more as you go down that road of success in whatever field it is. Thank you so much. I'm out of time. I am out of here.